Hello, Jess. We are live. <laughs> it is weird. It's like um, <clears throat> talking to yourself, but not really. But I like the fact that you can hear the other person so clearly. And you can like adjust these volume levels and stuff. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's great. It's cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for traveling down. Uh, I know you took a lot of time out of your schedule to carve out an opportunity for us to come and do this exit and build, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> this exit and build summit. And so far it's been immensely fun for me. I don't know how it's been going all for you, but uh, I'm really excited that you're here and I'm really excited to get to, you know, know you more. And uh, our good friend, Kim, introduced us and shout out to Kim. But thanks so much for being here, Jesse. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to be here. A little closer? A little closer. Okay. There you go. Yep. That's good. So where were you born? Um, I was born in the Finger Lakes. I was born in a little town called Pena, New York, which is short for uh, Pennsylvania Yankee, actually. Pennsylvania Yankee. Yeah, Pennsylvania Yankee. So uh, Cuca Lake, the north end, uh, and uh, there's 11 Finger Lakes total, um, and it's the home to the Haudenosaunee people, Okay. the Iroquois people. Sure. So it's a really special region. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of really cool geology there, a lot of uh, gorges and gullies, uh, a lot of great vineyards, rolling hills. Um, but it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. Did you ever read that Hiawatha and the Peacemaker book? I all never about did. No, the, no. the Iroquois Confederacy and the formation? No. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. But it's about all the people mm. up there, the Haudenosaunee and the, all those tribes. <clears throat> so growing up, what was childhood like? Was it filled was it was it sprawling you know urban or was it pretty wilderness forest it was pretty wilderness forest so i live on uh one acre plot of land and that's surrounded by a nine acre plot of land nice and at the back of that there's a, a gully a forest um so my childhood was spent predominantly in that block of woods right there yeah. um with my buddies um when it was springtime the you know the creek would run really hard and we would build rafts and boats and try to float down it and, you know, yeah, and uh, it was a it was a lot, a <coughs> lot of fun. Um, a lot of really big, tall hardwood trees back there, old growth. Um, my grandfather had that logged when I was in high school, which was kind of depressing. But what are you gonna do? But uh, red redirect me again. Where were you? Were childhood, like childhood. as right, far right, as right. growing up, having yep. fun out in the woods, right, right, building right. rafts. So I had a grandparent on either <coughs> one of the Finger Lakes, one on Seneca, one on Cuca. So I grew up doing a lot of sailing, a lot of raft building, um, a lot of bonfires on the beach. Um, me and all my buddies would go out and play army all the time. What um, was that? Um, army consisted of like getting out a bunch of plastic squirt guns. Nice. Sometimes spray painting, <laughs> spray painting them black. Sometimes. But, oh yeah. Uh, you know, like getting all covert and uh, camouflaged up and going and running around and climbing trees and crawling through drain pipes. Yeah, and, I did uh, that too. We did that all the time. Yeah. We had this one thing we called army, and it was nothing more than going to a playground, and you would try to climb the whole playground from one end to the other upside down. Whoa. And that was what we called army. That's and, awesome. Uh, it's like training. So, growing up, you had a brother, you said? Uh, nope, I'm an only child. Okay. But, uh, and my, so my dad died when I was three years old. Okay. Uh, Mom never remarried. She had a couple of uh, partners, boyfriends, uh, all really nice guys. Um, and they took good care of me. But, um, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about my 10th birthday, actually. Yeah, go for it. So, on my 10th birthday, um, my mom had this gigantic party for me. It was an army-themed birthday. 
So she went to the Army Reserve, actually, and was able to talk a ghillie suit, some diving equipment, and some fatigues off one of the guys there. He let her borrow it, and she brought it home and laid it all out. Um, and she gave us fake tattoos, and we, uh, we like, chased her uh, boyfriend at the time through the woods, and he, like, set up booby traps. And, uh, yeah, so I kind of, once again, forget where I'm going with that. But it, was that the moment that you realized, hold on a second, playing in the woods, running around, <coughs> doing what you were excited to do, is that kind of what led you to this career of being a wilderness survival instructor? Yeah, it is, definitely. Um, also, literature. Um, I read Hatchet. Oh, hell yeah. Kid. Gary Paulson. Yep, Gary yeah. Paulson. I read Hatchet, and I read uh, My Side of the Mountain. Oh, yeah. Um, so I had a few of these books that were my guides, some of the Tom Brown books. Mm-hmm. Um, this book called uh, Island of the Blue Dolphin. I've never heard of that one. Uh, yeah, it's all about this girl who gets stranded on an island. And nice. She just practices all these survival skills and eats all this seafood and... Was that a true story? Not a true story. Not a true story. Not a true story, but a great story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the realization kind of came, yeah, it came very early on. The woods were kind of a peaceful place for me, a relaxing place. Um, Do you have a knife and, like, everything going out when you would go out? Did Was that I pretty did, yep, like I carried, commonplace? So I, ca- I had what were called my precious things. Nice. And I kept them in a pouch. Uh, I think I kept it in, you know, like our Crown Royal bag? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had one of those, <laughs> and I would, like, load that up with all my stuff. Okay. Uh, and that would be, like, consist of, like, a pocket knife and some string and a special rock and uh, maybe, like, a fishing lure. And, uh, yeah, I would have this little bag of stuff. Nice. And I would take that out with me and just play and craft and have uh, generally a, a good time. When you were in high school, were you still practicing survival skills or were you or still, I guess, playing in the woods? Because I don't know if had you got into survival skills by high school. So when I was when I was in high school, I was kind of um, that's, let's see. I had a lot of friends, but I was kind of like on the outskirts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Kind of forgot where I was going. Redirect me. So we were talking about your friends going with you to do these adventures in right. high school about the survival. Um, yeah. yeah. So I did have some friends up the road from me, Dustin and Scott Sebring, that would go out with me and practice primitive skills, and another one of my friends, J.D. Covert. But, uh, yeah, high school was uh, kind of a challenging time. I was in a really bad car accident okay. at, uh, at age 13, and I did have, uh, yeah, I had a partial splenectomy, and uh, my mom was hurt really badly, and my best friend. So that was a challenging time, and then kind of when I was coming out of that, I kind of rebelled, obviously, right? And kind of like just went on on my own and didn't have a lot of guidance and kind of did my own thing. But I did spend a lot of time in the woods. Yeah. Uh, Some of that time, yeah, spent smoking cigarettes. (laughs) I I think high school is always like that for nearly, I don't know, maybe more than 50% of people. They're just... And that's why I think that the public education system doesn't work, you know, because it's just not – I want to – how do I say this? I want to find something that's universally applied, right? No matter who you are, what your background is, whatever, you can take something from this 
and then go apply, uh, truthfully, what I want it to be is the inspiration of going and teaching yourself. That's what I think the best teacher is. It's somebody who can go, you know what's really cool is this. And then you go, yeah, that's really cool. And then you go learn a ton about that. That's why I think Boy Scouts was so beautiful because you didn't really care much other than maybe earning those patches and going on the adventures. But those patches were something more. They were a taste. A taste of something that you had never experienced. And you didn't know what, where you were going to go with that. <clears throat> Let's say it was basket making. And you just found this passion of basket making. Or if it was whatever, boat building. It, I think it gave kids an opportunity to try something new within a club all the time. And, uh, yeah, I'm sad to see that Boy Scouts is just no longer what it was a long time ago. So I think that's why places like Natureversity exist now because <clears throat> in Boy Scouts they'd be like, oh, well, you got to spend two or three years before you can make a bow and arrow with us. Whereas I'm like, oh, you want to come make a bow and arrow? Let's do it this weekend. So did you do Boy Scouts at all? No Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts. Uh, my troop leader was kind of lame. And we made a lot of peanut butter pizzas and watched. A lot See of what I'm talking about? A lot of movies. Yeah. And um, what? Uh, how old are you again? Um, I'm 37 years. There old. There you go. So your generation is very similar to mine in that that was my experience in Cub Scouts too, mm. Boy Scouts too. It was always, ugh, I don't know what to say, <sighs> contrived in yeah. some weird way. But we did go on like pack troop campouts and oh. I noticed that there was other dads there who would have skills you know and be awesome right. so I think that's what it's really about is finding somebody within your troop that really knows what it is that you're excited to learn and then you just bring that out did uh did you find other dads uh like intimidating when you were learning skills uh like from a perspective of authoritarian figure or yeah, from kind of from an authoritarian no, perspective. I wouldn't say that. No, I always, so my story is the same kind of similar. <clears throat> my father, you know, was, I was born and then my dad wasn't around. Uh, my mother, my mother wasn't around much either. So my grandparents raised me for a few first five years or so of my life. Okay. And my mom was like, all right, I'm going to ready to have kids, and uh, I'll come back. And so she grabbed me, and then we moved to Georgia. <coughs> but same thing, you know, I'd never really had a dad growing up until uh, she met Gary. And then Gary, at like 10, I was 10, uh, took me under his wing, and he's been my dad ever since. But, no, I never felt intimidated by any other presence. I think there was some authoritarian kind of turd dads on my baseball team who coached, and I was always like, ugh, this guy could be more chill. Like, why is he so aggressive? But I also think that that just comes with baseball. Like, it's a very, get out there, sport. You more know. chill. Run, you know, yeah. Very much, ma yeah, machismo, yeah. Did you play baseball or sports? I played, uh, yep, I played Little League. Um, and then when I got into my teen years, I got out of sports. I yeah. played a little lacrosse. Okay. Um, <coughs> lacrosse is a great sport. Yeah, I never played lacrosse, <coughs> but fastest sport on two feet they call it. So, a can lot you of running? Can you can you hit each other in that sport? Like, oh, pretty oh, my, oh my gosh, yeah, cross like, checks, like, like checks. Okay, got it. So it's not like you're tackling, but no, you're just there's a guy running with, into each other. There's a guy with a short pole, and then there's a guy with a deep pole, a defensive pole, mm -hmm. and he can just hack at you, hit you with a stick. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never knew lacrosse was that brutal. Brutal. Uh, Native Americans used to put the ball in their mouth, I've heard, to run with it over distances. And, like, you know, they would wow. They would try to knock it out of your mouth. Somebody told me that that was the origin of lacrosse. I want to say it was Tom Elpel told me that. The, what was the origin of lacrosse? The, the carrying the ball in native, the mouth? No, Native Americans playing a game called double ball. Oh, double ball. Double huh? ball. It was, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, <coughs> it was a two pieces of rawhide. Well, two pieces. And then oh, they yeah, heard about this. Yeah, put sand in them and then would tie them together and then when the rawhide wet would dry around the sand it would be like a hard ball and they'd put a string some cordage and they would take a stick and put the cordage over the stick and they'd run around and throw it and to this day tom still plays that game with the kids up in montana so i remember him telling me this is the origin of lacrosse i was like oh that doesn't that that makes total sense you know it doesn't surprise me at all so yeah Yeah. violent violent game though didn't know that i've I've had a few friends play, but I've never heard their stories. So, well, what about after high school? So, what brought you to the wilderness instructor um, relationship? No. Well, I love to camp and I love to be in the woods. Yeah. Um, so, I was camping with a girlfriend. We were on this beautiful piece of property and uh, by a lake. Um, and we were kind of just hanging out in the middle of the day. We had like a little smoky fire there. Um, and this guy, Justin Sutero, up. Oh, wandered up to the campsite and uh he was like hey guys how you doing um really exhausted um i have um lime so i'm really tired i've been running this program and it's my break can i hang out with you guys for a while and i was like yeah sure by all means man hang out so um he sat down and i noticed his knife and uh I was like, wow, really nice knife, man. He showed me his knife. and uh, Do you remember what kind of knife it was? He, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, it'll come to me. But uh, he carved up a bow drill kit real quick. Um, it's a, I we might go over that, what a bow drill kit is here in a minute. But, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, he carved up a bow drill kit and made a coal. And I was just like, whoa, that's so cool. How old were you? Uh... 25 or 26. Okay. So, yeah, he twisted up this coal, and I was like, whoa. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, the uh, this course where we're teaching all these skills starts again next spring. So come on out and be a part of it. And what year was that? That was 2019 or? Um, yeah, that would, no, 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 no. When was that? You know, I'm so bad with, like, the year and the years and everything. Um, so I, let's see, about seven years ago now. Wow. Yeah. So you had 2015, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And that was the program you and Kim did together? Uh, nope. That no. was a program that me and my best friend Adam Surratt did together. Yeah. Um, and it was called WSIC, uh, Wilderness Skills Instructor Certification. Whoa. Yeah. Where was that at? Uh, that was in Ithaca. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ithaca, Who hosted Ithaca, that? New York. Uh, that was hosted by Primitive Pursuits. Okay. So it was uh, Jed Jordan is the found one of the founders. Tim Drake is one of the founders. Then uh, Justin Sutera worked there. Uh, Sean Cornell, Corinne, I don't remember her last name, um, and a couple other people. And, uh, yeah, they're the ones that, uh, that hosted the deal. And it was really, really awesome. That's awesome. 
Yeah, <clears throat> I did one of those big wilderness immersion programs too. Uh, I was with a guy who was starting the a, a survival school, and I it was I was only one of two students, and it Whoa. was uh, it was quite the experience. I don't think that I was in my best place to take that course yet. Maybe I was, but I look back on it now, and I'm like. I wish it would. I wish I would have gone and done it somewhere where there was like twenty people, right? Um, yeah. Because I don't know. I, I that's my not a regret, but my retrospective reflection. Right. Um, but I know those programs are so they they're life changing. Yeah, I did a lot. That's of them it. Too. I did uh, so I W W sick. Yeah, and I did ring two. Okay. Which is uh, you're involved again with the same program, but you get behind the veil, they call sure. it. So you get to see how everything works. Then I did all of the wilderness workshops. So I did basket making, bow making, hide tanning, and a couple others. Um, then I taught for a little while. And then I did uh, the nine-month program. The, and... Uh, that's the one that I did with Kim. Got it. Yeah, yeah that that wasn't the one that she told me all about that I was like, man, that sounds like a dream. Kind of like the uh, immersion program at the Wilderness Awareness Dude. School or things like that. It's just like three days a week um, dedicated to the learning of wilderness skills, right? So we're talking all things fire, you know, all things shelter, survival, and all the advanced stuff. Oh, and my like, gosh. I, like I said, it, I think that it just changes you. I don't think you can go back to the world as a normal person. Yeah, tracker syndrome. Yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, tracker syndrome is what they call it. When okay. They, it's That's usually when people get into animal tracking, they start to care about the animal world more than they do about the human world. Whoa. And they're just like, whoa. Kind of like. You think that's where all the PETA people are at? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Sometimes those people make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um. I wonder when, you know, people don't care about animals. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I'm like, I don't, like, I I don't know when I point out, maybe you've experienced this. I point out like, oh my, oh yeah, I'll check out that hawk. Yeah. And I have people who are like, they don't care. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I'm just, I I think I live my life where like, I just want to make connections with things all around me in that present moment. And uh, not to be woo-woo, but, you know, yeah. uh, through <laughs> the, the being of a human. Right. And I'm glad that there's so many people like you out there who just found this passion. So now, how old were you when you got to begin teaching the skills? Um, so I kind of started teaching the skills right off the bat. Yeah. Um, the class, WSIC, was set up in such a way that we, like, taught each other a nice. little bit. So that's a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And then we volunteered and worked with kids. And it just kind of, they want, it was Wilderness Skills inst- Instructor Certification. So they were basically training instructors. Yeah. Uh, training a crop of people to come work for them. Um, what, you asked how old I was? Yeah. How old were you? Not really sure. Yeah. How long have you been teaching survival skills? Mm, seven, six or seven years now. There you go. So, yeah, yeah so how, my, my 31 maybe? Yeah, somewhere around yep, there. somewhere around there. Yeah, that's, uh, I started when I was in 2010. That's when I got started. 
So okay. it was just like the same thing. You called it the tracker. What is it? Tracker syndrome. Tracker syndrome. See, me, I immediately went to tracker school. Right, that's what I thought right. about immediately. Because, uh, you know, he in, in some of his classes, he says things like, <clears throat> well, you're going to all go home and quit your job after this. Right. And that's, I, I did it the opposite way. I quit my job before I went there. Oh, that's smart. I knew it. So yeah. you wouldn't be distracted. I knew it was no longer worthy to just do that kind of slave grind. Right. right. It, was, it was not good. Yeah. So I got out of it. And, uh, yeah, I, I felt so isolated, even surrounded by, like, thousands of people who worked with me. Mm-hmm. There was just no connection. And now, you know, there's eight people who work around me, and it, it's just like family. But maybe that's why, right? Yeah. They say that you can only have 120 acquaintances because oh, by right, average right. there's, like, what is it? Funerals and weddings. That's the average amount of people who are invited. So that's right, the average right. amount of per- people a person can I know. Always, I actually always heard it was like at a, um, I don't want to say this, like um, more of an ancestral level. Like we, we kind of evolved knowing a certain number of people in a small group, like a, a tribe or a clan. Oh, I like that. So it's like, you know, I think I heard it's like a hundred faces or something. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So about the size of a group of people you'd be living with. Right. Yeah. In a tribe or a band or yeah. something like that. That see that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Evolutionarily. Evolutionarily. Yeah. That's the word I wanted to that's, use. That's exactly how we came to be, <coughs> which makes sense. So you get into this position and you're teaching. What is what are some of your favorite things to teach? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, obviously fire. Mm-hmm. Fire pulls people in. Yeah. Uh, they just like that's what I wanted. I wanted to know how to do friction fire, and when I got there, I learned that it's about a lot more than that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's so many things that go into it. It's like materials and body mechanics and form, and um, yeah, there's just a million things. And I like different types of friction fire too. I like that too because it's a great place for people to begin. <coughs> Meaning, you get sucked in mm. through fire because you're like, all right, I wore out this kit. Now i got to go find another oh, yeah, one. wearing out a kit is fun. Dude, I love it. There, It was funny. Carter and I, we were just cleaning out the Bodro kit the other day, and I was like, yeah, just throw all these away. And there was so many spindles that were, you know, he probably right, 30. Right. Yeah, they, when they, they started. Yeah. You know, but the kids have used them. And yeah. so uh, one of the other, I think it was one of the interns or the apprentices walked out, and they were like, what, uh, Carter, did you just make all those? And he was like, oh, no, 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 they, like, these are all getting thrown away. Cause and she's like, what? How many are there? There's like hundreds out there in the box, and it was just really funny oh, to funny. see how used they get. Right, so, right. yeah, bow drill's one of those things that sucks people in, like mm-hmm. I say, because the, well, the fire was always like the central village point for right, food, right. stories, celebration, ceremony. Caveman TV. Caveman TV. It's only one channel. Mm-hmm. But it always comes in clear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's how I got sucked in, too, was fire. And then I wanted to replace the string oh, on the bow drill kit. Right. So I was like, I got hooked on cordage. cordage. I pretty much threw bow drill to the side, actually, oh, okay. and was addicted to just make it. I would, I'm not kidding. I would be, like, in truck stop bathrooms. And I'd be like looking at those brown paper towels and oh, like right, pull right. those off and start yeah, spinning start those spinning things those up. up. I was like, I'm going to test everything. Right. So that's it. Yeah. That's how I got that cordage board. And some people have looked at it and been like, 
I didn't know you could use that. Like this right, plant called right. guara lizard tail. Oh, cool. No one knew you could do that. And they're like, what the hell? So I am just in such awe that these skills unite people together. So yeah. you were saying your your favorite <clears throat> skill to teach is fire. fire. And well, what's the favorite skill to practice? <laughs> um, I love to practice archery. Okay. Um, I'm a bow hunter. I bow hunt white-tailed deer. Nice. So I really got to be, um, I got to be a good shot. Yeah. So I practice in my yard. I practice from my tree stand. I practice at my buddy's house. Um, nice. So I like to practice archery. Um, but um, just really getting out in the woods and like, I got a friend that's like, I don't like to hike with you guys because you get in the woods and it takes an hour to get anywhere. Yep. Because you just you move, like you move four you, feet. You move four <laughs> feet. And it's like, oh, look at that scat. Look at that yes. track. Look at that tree. Look at that plant. I love that. And it's yeah, it's ti- uh, my friend calls it timelessness, and it's just time just slips away, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, yeah, an incredible feeling. Aimless wandering. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful and poetic. And uh, I really, I think that's one of the, what do they call it? The core routines of nature connection is wandering just aimlessly with timelessness. And when we get to do that, you know, it sucks because we can't do that at the exit built. Like we can't do shelters there. Yeah, can't do shelters. Can't do, there's no leaves. Can't do, right. I got an idea. We'll talk about it after this. I I just thought about it. Back (laughs) to my favorite skills though. Yeah, go for it. My absolute favorite skill. And I'm a little frustrated with it right now, to be honest, but uh, pottery. Pottery is my, like, I love it. I love making containers. Um, I love wor- I love the medium. I just love that that slippery kind of, mm-hmm. you know, making coils and just the whole thing, the firing. Uh, the tempering is such a science that you got to figure out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, pottery is, is really up there for me. I love pottery, man. It is so challenging like you had said and addictive and um when i go out to the woods like when i so when i first got here and uh, and started this stuff i thought for certain i was like i'm gonna have to go somewhere to get clay natural clay doesn't exist in the central texas area and then after i discovered it in one place i knew what to look for and that was the moment that I was like, oh, hell yeah. I was like, it's everywhere. Because when you think about it, the globe being spherical, uh, Texas just towards the bottom of the United States. So the rivers are all flowing down, and it's bringing those sediments, and it's bringing those silts, and it's bringing all of those you know, silica mineral deposits down. And I feel like we all have so much clay here so when when you're here this summer uh we're going to make a ton of clay pots and i'm excited to do some firing as well um have you ever gotten to make any of those corrugated pots do you know what corrugation is um no corrugations was those ones that you saw today the kind of bowl white one yeah. it looks like a bunch of weird layers yeah, of pizza crust were slapped yeah. onto each other yeah. that's my favorite kind and the okay. is the style of the southwest anasazi oh the anasazi that's mm-hmm. really famous pottery and the reason they built them that way is because they would expand and contract in okay. you know, thermal shrinkage right, to right. be cooked in. Yep. So they found that was the most effective means of doing that. Okay. So that's why the, the style is. And uh, I, I, that's my favorite style. Do you know why a lot of primitive pots have round bottoms? 
Have you ever noticed that? Like they don't have a flat bottom. They have like an egg-shaped bottom or a nest-shaped bottom. And that is a great question. I don't know. Do uh, you know? I've heard it so you can nestle them in the coals. And I've also heard it helps with uh, heat transfer. Really? So a flat bottom's bad because of the right angles, maybe? Yeah, the heat just doesn't get up the sides yeah. properly or whatever. Well, right angles are really bad for bows, too, so that would yeah, make sense. Yeah, I think really right angles are a bad in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. They sure are. <laughs> I actually got up there and said that at that exit and build summit today. Oh, yeah, I was, I was like, we're not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> and I didn't know if I, like, I, I thought about it afterward. I was like, oh, shit, I was going to say something I wasn't supposed to. And then I think I... In, I inadvertently said that they might be afraid of nature, but I was trying to say something else and I like stumbled over my words and I was like, Oh no. But I only had like a couple minutes to get up there and share a few things. So I tried to make the best of it. All you can do. All you can do. So now you, when, when was the last class that you taught for primitive pursuits? Uh, primitive pursuits. The last class, I, the last classes I was teaching to them were, I think, last fall. Okay. Um, and then I recently did some classes in uh, Western New York and upstate New York. Nice. Uh, I did one at my friend's alternative school. It's like a Montessori kind of. Yeah. Um, and that was great. That was all fire. And we were at a Boy Scout camp for a week, and. Uh, there was tons of firewood there, um, and there was, like, a big uh, fire pit where we could have fires, and um, how do I put this? This, like, Native American elder? Sure. Kind of, but, um, yeah, his his authenticity was questionable. Ah, um, sure. Well, I don't really want to get into that. Yeah, but, I understand. Um, yeah. But he came, and he actually handed out um, flakes of flint. So he gave everybody a scalpel to put into their backpack, and that was a little scary. <laughs> Wait, but what do you mean by that? What? Why what would I that mean? be scary? Um, because a flint flake is sharper than a surgical scalpel. Sure. But was he handing them to kids? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, it was Let like, oh, got a flake. <laughs> Let me tell you, I did that too one time <laughs> in my early infancy, yeah. man. I handed out obsidian. City is like the sharpest dude. It was a bad mistake. I made a mistake. I was at, was working at this place called the Texas Lions Camp, <laughs> and I did not know that the Texas Lions Camp was a was an organization that is designed for children who have survived cancer. Oh wow! So they wanted me to come talk about survival, oh. and I was like, okay, this will be fun. And I did not know what I was doing. All no right, clue. Right, Never had experience right. teaching. Got up there, tried to kind of like lecture style this thing. Totally. Did you turn bright red? Oh, of course I did. Yeah. It was it was appalling. I was yeah, embarrassed I, beyond all belief. Yeah. I think the thing that got to me the most was I was trying to teach these kids about survival, and I'm sitting up here going, what a jackass am I? I'm up here yeah. like, I, have no, I don't know anything about survival. You all have survived. Right. You're literal survivors. Right, yeah. And so I felt like weird and kind of... Mm -hmm. That was an interesting moment Dude. in my life, but I handed them all obsidian blades, <laughs> and then they got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Public speaking used to kill me. I would turn bright red. I would shake. Um, my eyes would go out of focus. I would stutter. Yeah. It was bad. But, uh, I don't know. When I spoke in front of all those people today, I just pretended like they weren't there. 
And then I was just you talking. Didn't pretend they were in their underwear. No, that's mm-hmm. I've never done that. That's weird. It's weird. <laughs> but I feel like I was talking to one person, and that's why. I th- but I started to change it midway through and be like, "Oh, you got to be like talking to the y'all, right? The all of y'all." Right. And I think that's how I like said some dumb things. You gotta be but careful not to go inside your head. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, and your thoughts are bouncing around. Right. And you're looking around in there, and yeah, can be an empty. Lonely place. I feel like the truth is that the class will speak for itself. Yeah. When those kids go home each and every day, all those families who are enrolled in the program are going to be like, "Oh yeah, this is the greatest ever." Yeah. Um. So, what are you going to be doing now, or what have you been doing? So, you you said earlier you were freelancing and doing various opportunities Dude, and things I'm like doing, that. Yeah, I'm doing so much stuff. Um, I've been traveling a lot. Yeah. So I went to uh, a place called Cumberland Island off the coast of Georgia. Uh-huh. Um, I did that this Febu- January or February. Um, so I went there with a friend, and we did a lot of animal tracking and hung out and ate a lot of really good seafood. Then we went to the Okefenokee Swamp, and we did a four-day canoe trip. Saw a bunch of gators. Nice. And yeah, a bunch I of I cool love gators. Gators are cool. And a bunch of cool birds. Um and then I went back home. Um then I went to St. Martin. My aunt and uncle are in St. Martin. Um and I was there for two weeks and that was really awesome. And uh and I visited my friend in uh in uh, Maryland and we dug a bunch of clay and made pots and that was great. And now I'm here with you. Awesome. Yeah, we're excited to hopefully have more opportunities for you to come hang out with us and share skills. It's just so good to feel like, oh, man, like this guy's run kids programs. He knows what he's doing. Like it's all chill. Uh, to th- That alleviation of not having to constantly look over the shoulders. Not that I have to worry about the staff that much, but coming from the background exactly that you have of primitive pursuits i'm like oh yeah i mean jesse's got it down so yeah have um have you ever done uh, any survival trips yeah yeah we've done a few survival trips um i've done a lot outside of san antonio i've done some along the colorado river we did a few in big bend we've done a few along the gulf coast uh we did two out in the piney woods of east texas which is uh David Crockett or David Crockett National Park, something like that. Whoa, I don't cool. remember what it was. Did one in Village Creek State Park. I love those little trips. And we always yeah. do like three to five days. Um, yeah, what about you? Uh, yeah, we did a five-dayer with Wilderness Year. Um, and we put a lot of our intention into it. And uh, we set off with mostly primitive gear, uh, pack baskets. We had pack baskets, wool blanket, a metal water bottle, and a knife. Nice. So that was our kit. Um, And we trekked up this hill and uh, got to our campsite. We had already built debris shelters. Cheating a little bit. But we had already built debris shelters. So we kind of got there and um, fixed up our shelters a little bit and settled in and uh, then just, yeah, spent spent five days there. I, um, I built a fish trap with the help of a friend. And we caught a bunch of fish and made a bunch of fish stew. And we found a porcupine that had fallen out of a tree. Nice. Dude, a porcupine is so good. It I'm was not going to lie. It was all right. 
I love it. It was like pork. It was kind of porky. Dark meat, kind of, you know. Very red. Very yeah. red. Succulent. Mm-hmm. All the meats like in the shoulders and the thighs. Yeah. We I got thought the, that thing was going to be loaded with fat. It's like a big empty chamber. We got the quills off and we were like, where is the meat? Yeah. There's not uh, a lot of meat on them. We inspected like the liver and all the organs and everything. Yeah. Make sure it was cool. We've gotten some roadkill porkies out here and I always pick them up too. They're, they're, I like them. They're a delicacy to me. <laughs> roadkill is a whole other story, huh? Oh yeah, well you're not allowed to do it in Texas. It's no, against the law. You're not in New York either, unless you get you can get a tag. Like you can call and the police will come and they'll give you. A oh tag. really? Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about Texas. Then maybe they'll do that here. You Last I checked, you, you think you can do it in Texas? I know you can do it in Montana. Tom Elpel and I picked up a baby deer along, <laughs> just driving around. He was like, "Oh look at this!" And I was you like, "Okay, grab it, throw Montana. it in the back." <laughs> Yeah, did you know that Montana used to didn't have speed limits? No speed limits? No, no speed uh, limits. No DWI. No uh, DWIs, no. all because of federal funding. They yeah. wanted that Fed money, man. Yep, I heard also because all the folks moved there from California, and uh, they were like, we got to put some laws in place. <laughs> yeah, Tom was telling me some crazy stuff about <laughs> Montana and just the way that they would masquerade as like these environmentalists, and then right. they would come in and they would drill and they would do all these things and Tom said he fought it. Like that Tom, was like the Tom Brown, uh, Tom Elpel. Oh, Tom Elpel. Yeah, the Botany in the Day the author. Botany in the Day. Yeah, okay. he's a great guy, and he was just telling me this wild stories and newspaper showing me newspaper clippings of all the different things that he had tried to fight, and I think they ended up fighting it and winning, and then they ended up doing it anyway. Wow. And I think that was the moment that Tom was like, "Well, uh, yeah, this is, I mean, there's." There's uh Yeah. I, I don't know what to call that. It's a bummer. That is. So yeah, the uh, destruction of the natural earth. It's, it's unfortunate, but uh it keeps turning, right? Mm-hmm. Sucks. Well, <clears throat> now I think um our next goal is to finish out this exit and build summit. And okay, cool. yeah, we're gonna be hopefully doing some summer camps together. Is there anything that you're you're looking forward to other than that that's coming up on your radar. What else you got going on? Hmm. I got some programs coming up when I get back to New York. Yep. Um, so I'm looking forward to those. Um, and then basically I'm just looking forward to getting back here to Texas and working with you. Yeah. It's going to be fun, man. It, the summers are so hot here. Yeah, I know. But I'm kind of not looking forward to that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you well, going to do? Um, I always go by the water. Yeah. When it's that hot. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. The Barton Springs, it's like, have you ever been there? Uh, it's cold water, right? It's ice cold water. Well, well, it's not ice cold. It's 67 or something. It's not that bad. It's cold it's, enough. I love it. I go swim there in the morning before camp. So oh. then when you get to camp, cool you're off. chilly, and then it's hot, Whoa. and I just feel cool throughout the day. And then if you're really feeling up for it, you go jump in there right after. Right. And get a little season pass action going. But, uh, yeah, how, how many times have you been to Austin? Uh, this is my first time. No. Yeah. Really? First time. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I need to take you around and show you a few places. Yeah. There's some good stuff here. No, I've heard that it's, uh, it's a good place, so. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. I've only been to New York one time. Did you go to the city? I did. You know what's funny? <laughs> this is a funny story. I would, uh, well, I still do. I would play Grand Theft Auto a lot. Online. Oh, yeah, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> and I played that online, and I met these people, uh, Cynthia and Tony. 
and their their husband and wife, and they had two kids, and we would chat online all the time. We'd always be playing, and uh, yeah, I drove up there with my girlfriend at the time and her two kids, and uh, we stopped along the way, and we went um, to Kentucky, and few other places and we went up there and we met them and it was just hysterical but we went to the big city and i i'm not kidding i think it was like two or three in the morning and everything like the m&m store and all this stuff was like just closing and i was like wait what like it closes i thought the city never sleeps but this place looked like a sprawling it was insane at uh you know, two in the morning. I couldn't believe it. Where else did we go? We went to like a Lego store or something. We went to a bunch of places downtown. The train ride was an absolute nightmare. I'll never forget that. Did, uh, did you see any rats? I think we did. There was one moment where I remember we were going through this area and we were trying to get to the train. And I remember the cops were like walking around just like whacking people in the shoulder being like, hey, can't sleep here. Can't sleep here. Can't sleep here. And it was just all these people trying to sleep at like the train waiting area. Was it homeless people or drunk people? I don't know. I just remember that and I was like, they were just like picking them up and being like, get out of here. And I was like, why would it, it was like kind of what you were just joking about, like yeah, 1850s hilarious. Britain. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah. out of here. Billy, yeah. Billy boy. Right, with like a billy club. Yeah, our club. Their good hand. little hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little black and white checkers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, it, it wasn't, I, it wasn't too bad. New York's a strange place. We went out yeah. to dinner. I, I told everyone, I was like, I want to go try a steak, you know, from Texas. I want to try a steak somewhere else. So I was like, okay. Did you go Peter Luger's? No. Oh. What's Peter Luger's? Peter is that, Luger's is that is the, the best? It's the best steakhouse in New York City. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's the best, but I think it's the oldest. How much are we talking a plate? Oh, dude, who knows? Like, like one fifty, probably something like that. Something like that. Surf, it's not too I think they have the golden wrap steak there. Yeah, there's a place here. It's called uh, what is it called? It's called Jeffries or something like that. Oh man, it's a Freddy's. No, it's Jeffrey's. It's called Jeffrey's Freddy's. Okay, Jeffrey's. <laughs> it's it's really good. Yeah, it's super expensive, but they're really nice steaks. When I went up there, <clears throat> it wasn't uh, meh. It was okay. I definitely. Yeah. yeah, I can do. I can do like a couple week, like a week or, or so in the city. Yeah. And then I'm like done. Yeah. My uh, cousin, who's more like my sister, she lives there, so. Um, She's been bugging me to come visit her, and my aunt and uncle used to own an apartment there, and then they moved up to Westchester, which is about half an hour from the city, so I lived with them when I was in college, and I would just get on the train and ride up and uh, hang out in the city, and then come back to Westchester and uh, hang out in Westchester. I always envision just a giant bunch of buildings and cars everywhere and no one can move yeah no that's one can move. what i envision when i think of new york city dude i did new york city on halloween we went to the halloween parade and then we, <laughs> we were coming back from the halloween parade that and there sounds was like this, a nightmare oh uh, it was crazy there was this dude just laid out on the street with all this blood just pouring out of his head what happened you think oh. he <laughs> fell and hit his head i don't want to laugh but wow there was taxis around him like honking and yelling at him poor guy dude poor guy yeah but uh, it's like that here at downtown Austin, too, man. It's like, 
Every, you know, it's funny. When I got out of high school, I moved to San Antonio. And when I was living there, I thought every single night was like stabbing, shooting, mugging, yeah. left kids, this, that, and the other. And I was yeah. like, man, this place is terrible. Like, I don't ever remember Austin being like this when I was growing up. Yep. And I moved back to Austin and... I don't remember that crime being the way it is now. Like, is it bad now, dude? It's pretty crazy. Really? Yeah. There's definitely places that I don't go anymore because I'm just like, no, I'm not gonna take that chance. You know? Because you just don't. Like, I was doing a U-turn down at the Holiday Inn. Like, this is a couple months ago, and this dude was like, "Hey, you know, give me some money, give me some money." Like, you know, asking for cigarettes, and I was like, "No." I was like, "Hey, man, I don't smoke. Like, I don't, you know, I don't have any cash to give you." And he just like hurled this Gatorade bottle like straight at my truck, and oh, was that's like, a "Bummer." What the hell, man? Like, so it's not like I'm obviously being accosted violently, you know, but it's just a, it's getting to be kind of crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think that's what cities do to people. Yeah, cities make people nuts. I think that's exactly why. Yeah. yeah. So Austin's growing exponentially, and <coughs> anyway, it's all uh, we're having fun here, though. I'm excited that the kids are having the best time, and uh, this exit and build thing's going really good. So, yeah, the exit and build thing is is interesting. Yeah, the, the food's been good. <laughs> the the barbecue good. was good today. Yeah, I think it was barbecue. from that place, Southside Meat Market. Oh, it wasn't yeah. from there, huh? I, I, no, I think it was. Oh, oh not I, from I the. It wasn't from the venue. No, I went and got leftovers. Oh, where was that at? In the kitchen. I was like, you guys got any leftovers? And they were like, yeah, we do. I got a little plate. Oh, I was dude, that's, the, I was, that's I was the way to do it. Did you tell them? You're like, hey, I work with the kids here. Nice. Dude, you, when you tell people that, a lot of times people are like, you can have whatever you yeah, want. Right. They're like, oh. we know you are probably the one working the hardest here in this yeah. moment. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've gotten some sick perks from, did you, did you ever get parents to give you like gift cards? Yeah, I've programs, had parents, I've had like, like, like on Christmas and different holidays. Yeah. I've had parents give us gift cards. I've had parents like break down uh, crying and be like, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, it's powerful I've, stuff, man. I've had parents curse me out. <laughs> I've never had that. I have I've never one, been cussed out. One time I got cussed out. I was, like, doing parking Yeah. Uh, for the school, and this guy kind of got jammed up, and he was not happy. Oh, I could yeah. see how that would be frustrating. Cars are a weird thing for people, I think. You always get pretty ticked off when you're in your car, and you well, feel inconvenienced just, for, yeah. you know. Our adrenaline is high, and we're, like, all ready to pop, you know? Yeah. It's like you're just... Agreed. Behind the wheel, and you're just ready to go. What What was some other um, experiences you've had with parents? Have you ever had anything like really crazy, like or mm. what cra- crazy kid experiences, crazy kid stories? Oh man, so many good kids. Oh stories, good, dude. yeah. Let's see. What um, are some crazy things they've said to you? Oh, so many crazy things. <laughs> uh, well, I'm kind of a. It was a sad, sad story. I'm gonna tell it real quick. But uh, there was this little boy at a school, and. Uh, told us that his mom uh, hit hit him with her words and would also <laughs> hit him with her hands. Oh. So, uh, yeah, we had to report that. Wow. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, like, really funny stuff at the school, too. There was this little girl. Uh, her name was Hadley, and she was just, like, really funny, and she had a little bit – she talked – can't talk like this – and uh, I can't even do the voice, but yeah, she had like a little, a funny little voice. <laughs> and uh, we were playing this game called Watermelon Lifeguard. It's where I take a, light, a watermelon and I grease it with butter, and then I take it and I throw it into a like a pool of water. 
kids have to dive. Oh, the kids have to dive into the water and go after the watermelon, and the watermelon's like slipping all out of their hands, and they're trying to rescue the watermelon. Um, so we're what not, yeah, kind of yeah. game is that? Dude, Wait, what, so there's butter in your pool <laughs> now? What are uh, your pumps in No, there's like running water. So oh, it's like, okay, it's okay, like okay. refreshing. Okay, but uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No. Watermelon lifeguard. But, that sounds uh, exciting. It was, dude. It's so exciting. But the kids aren't allowed to swim, really. Sure. But this pool's kind of deep, so this girl keeps diving under and diving under. And I'm like, Haley, you got to come out of the water. You got to come out of the water. Come here, come here, come here. And she's just like, Jesse, I feel so free. I just feel so free. And she was diving yeah, down. Free like, in a second. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And coming up and like spitting water all over the place. Yeah. And oh then my God. she was also. Uh, there was like another group of little girls, and they were like kind of like mean girls. Mm. And I, like, went over and Hadley was sitting by herself. And I was like, what's wrong, Hadley? And she was like, oh, just having such a bad day. And I was like, what's wrong? And she was like, oh, it's Peyton. And I was like, what's wrong with Peyton? She's like, oh, Peyton is such a fun stealer. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, she is a fun stealer. And I was like, oh. is she from, like, Pittsburgh or something? <laughs> I don't like, know. What's that accent? I don't dude? know, dude. No, I, my mom, fun stealer. <laughs> yeah, my mom does accents, and it can be kind of offensive apologies if anybody's offended (laughs) who cares one time i was doing a we were doing like a little skit for uh the kids at one of my programs and i had to be a possum and my possum was like real real southern oh i love it and uh the lady i was working with was like yo you gotta make your possum a little less southern why possums are southern that's what i thought she was like the possum sounds like a little sleepy and like a little slow so um, what? Yeah. How do you know? Well, well, how do you know that possums don't have personalities? What are you talking about? You yeah. know what's funny? I have a friend. His name's Justin Miller. This guy's the coolest dude in the world. He is exactly what you would think when you think of like southern. Because he gonna talk like this for all night long, and Justin Miller will just tell you story after story, and it is absolutely fantastic. The dude, way isn't he that talks. awesome? Oh, it's incredible. And I always thought like. He's just messing with us. Yeah, he's just fucking But that's really how he talks, and he's just amazing, man. Like, I got to have him on the podcast. Right. He's uh, he's amazing blacksmith and Hyde Tanner and all the rest of the stuff, and he is just a hoot to talk that's to. Great. He has got stories that will not stop. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the southern possum uh, offended somebody, huh? Well, could have been offensive. Yeah. I don't know. I've never had too many um, moments with the kids where things have gone bad. There have been a couple of situations with the knife carving thing. Oh, yeah, and, knives. You know. Um, do you tell a lot of stories? What do you mean? Like, do you tell a lot of stories to the kids? Are you? Oh, yeah, like 24-7. That's yeah, all I, I do. guess I did tell you. you see, I saw you tell a yeah. couple stories. I'm always telling them stories. About everything. No matter what it is, I have a story for it, like prepared or in some way. Or I'll just, sometimes I'll just say things that I'm like, you know what? Like, this makes sense to say during this time. It might not necessarily be a story, but just like an add on. Yeah. Sometimes I think, <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend tell me one time, he's like, I think that's why you need to not do that. And I was like, do what? He's like, you don't need to always add on all those extra things. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, I feel like. People like that. It's like me. It's like how I am. It's like I'm authentic. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I love telling the kids stories. And what about um, songs? I, that You know, that's why I want to pick your brain. I want to know, yeah, like, what songs. songs y'all would sing at Ithaca <laughs> and 
What kind of stories? Yeah. No songs. We definitely had like a batch of songs that we would sing. Yeah, and that's what we all, had too. They're kind of like um, they can get inside your head and drive you a little crazy mm-hmm. after a while. I like those kind. Oh, there's a lot of those kind. Gather, gather round in the ways of old. <laughs> you know that one? I don't know that, that one's one. A good, that one's a spin, spin, dust of light. <laughs> spin, spin, spirits ignite. Yeah, nice. that's a good you one. Know, it's all uh, you know, Woodstone, Feather, and Bone. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. That's a good one, man. Yeah, or uh, Earth, My Body. Yeah, Fire, My Blood. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah, good there's one. There's so many good ones. I just taught the staff the um, the Wild One song. The oh, day. yeah. That's a I'm good a wild one now. Oh, that's a good wind one. And rain. Yes, that's that's one of their favorites. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the do you do repeat after me? Like, this is a repeat after me song. Yeah, that's how we always do it with the kids. Yeah. And I always used to give them, you know, like, an, I don't know if you ever went to church, but, you know, like, choir, you'd have, like, a book. Oh, like a hymnal book? Yeah, like a hymnal book. I have hymnal cards. So I give the kids cards. Like, with all your songs? Yeah. Them? Yeah, they're oh. all laminated, so just in case that's it's great. pouring rain, we can still sing. And Yeah, you got a lot of gear. I got a lot. But I think that's what makes a good nature school. No, like, that's true. Uh, but uh, somebody argued with me one time. He's like, no, he's like, it's just nature. And I was like, no, yeah. I think that's true. But to an extent. I always say that, like, we aren't given a budget, we're given nature. Yeah. And it's like you go out there and you get it. It's like, yeah. Uh, you get us, you, you know, we get knives and saws and cordage and a couple of things. Right. But it's just, you know, it's not. Nothing special. We don't have boondoggle and and like you know, tons of ceramics and feathers and beads and yeah. You know, we just don't have any of that stuff. It all comes out of the woods. Yeah, I like that we we do have a pretty good sized budget here, but I just ma- account for it. I subsidize it from my own right. pockets. <laughs> right. But the, I find it is valuable. I mean, you saw like. All those crazy wild games, the hula hoops, the foam swords, yeah, like yeah. all that stuff makes it just neat. Yeah, what about um, cooking and food? Do what about a, it? Do you do a lot of cooking? Yeah, or? we do like ash cakes, coal cooking. Oh, nice. let, I've let the kids cook in those like primitive clay pots before too. Yeah, have you um, ever had any of them bust when you're cooking? No, because we go over like strict protocol. I'm just always like, hey, don't just like leave this thing sitting near the fire if it doesn't have anything in it. We talk do about they, like do where they boil. Does the oh yeah, you just oh. put them on the coals and yep. then they boil. Yep. Wow. The little fires can lick around it as long as the water. Um, is inside there, whatever part is not being touched by the water will get kind of hot. So you just make sure the flames don't get up that high. And it's usually good, you know. Um, Yeah, the the kids have actually cooked in their own pots that they have fired out there. But they're not big, you know, bowls. We're talking like the standard cereal bowl from your cabinet. Right. Um, What about, uh, like, dragon eggs, we call them. It's where you, like, you take, like, a chopped up potatoes and onions uh-huh. and you wrap that in like burdock leaf and yeah. then you wrap that in clay and then you put that in the coals and it like cooks inside of the clay. Wow. You know, we don't have burdock leaves here. We don't, I don't think we have anything big you could like use parchment that. paper or uh, tin foil. Tin foil we've done. We call them hobo packs. Yeah, hobo. Sorry, that's probably offensive. No. <laughs> hobo, um, ho- hobo, my friend just calls them hobos. And, yeah. Uh, I like that. Carrots, onions, potatoes, ground, ground, beef. ground beef. Dude, right. yeah, that's yeah. like camping like cuisine, kinda. like killing it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, 
What are some other f- uh, fancy primitive cooking you've done? Uh, um, my friend, my friend used to do this thing where he'd roast a chicken, and then over the chicken he would roast bacon on a spit, so the bacon would all drip onto the chicken. Whoa! And we would all be there like roasting and sweating with like our shirts yeah. tied around our heads. Uh, I've done a steam pit. Yes, I was going to ask where that. Where you dig a pit and yep. you put hot rocks in the bottom, yep. and you put your food in, and then you cover it in. Um, I was there one time when uh, Jorge got his arm absolutely seared by doing that. He had had this big barrel full of uh, water soaking in this uh, tub. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. He had grass soaking in this tub of water. And he pulled out the grass and threw it onto the hot rocks. And that steam. searing steam just instantly just on that arm, man. Oh, my gosh. Just <laughs> wrapped that sucker up and tried to put some... I don't know what he put on there. Maybe some put on pads a, or something. Uh, my friend had a really bad burn. He took a plantain leaf and he put a balsam fur sap on it. Yeah. He stuck that on oh, the burn. Oh, okay. And he said it stuck on there for like a week. Nice. And when the leaf wore off, uh, it was totally healed. Nice. Dude, nature's amazing. Yeah, comfrey root will do that too. It'll like harden up like a cast Whoa. while it heals. Cool. Yeah. Isn't that trippy? Yeah, it's that's like, crazy. It's such a trip that it heals your broken bones and your yeah, tissues yeah, yeah. and all that stuff simultaneously while it's like rock hard. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's, um, I'm trying to think of what we were just talking about. A second we were talking ago. about cooking. We were talking about cooking. That's right. There's stone boiling. I, it's, yeah. I was going to say the, uh, pumpkin. Have you ever oh, done like yeah. shrimp in a pumpkin I or know. shrimp in a pumpkin? Shrimp. kind of disgusting. <laughs> but, uh, uh, my we friend Melissa does a, cooks in a pumpkin. I love doing that. The gourds, too. The gourds are always fun. Have you ever shown them uh, cooking in styrofoam cups? I know it's super terrible for you, but I just wanted to show them it could be done. How do you do that? You can take a styrofoam cup, and if you fill the water to the very brim and put it in the coals, it will just sit there and boil. And it will not... It will melt, but it will melt like the inside of an igloo melts. It will seal itself and become this thing, and then it will boil the water. We did it in a paper bag, a styrofoam cup, a plastic bottle. They've done it in a lot of things. Wow, that's incredible. Water purification day. We have another day. It's called Will It Burn? And it's just the kids bring everything everything they could possibly (laughs) bring one time, dude. It was... Maybe I shouldn't tell that story. Um, <laughs> they well, no, we went. We we popped a paint can one time in this like gutter thing that was pretty hysterical. Like a regular paint can, yeah, or like, like a spray paint, like a spray paint can. can. Oh. Like you like put it. We were like they the kids were like trying to smash it, and I was like, don't be hitting that thing. It's gonna pop. It's gonna pop. It's gonna right. be pressurized. It's not good. They're like, yeah, but we want to pop it. We want to pop it. So I was like, all right, if we're gonna pop this thing, let's do it in the safest way possible. So we built a small fire. <laughs> Just starting out. It's great, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. We built a small fire, and we about 30 yards away was this big, concrete, two-foot-thick uh, damn wall thing. Oh it was boy. like a flood. Like a bunker. <laughs> it was like a bunker, and it was like a tube that this thing was in. So I told all the kids, all right, get back behind there. Get back behind there. And they could kind of peek through right, right. to it to see, so it wasn't like, you know, it was like multi-layered, but they could peek through. Yeah. And I put the can in there, and I took off running down the thing, and it popped, and it was like a nuclear bomb went off. It was like, yeah. Was there a mushroom cloud? (laughs) No, not at all. It just it it didn't. It was an empty can. So we had this set up one time. We had a TV sitting out on a table, plugged in, 
we lit a small fire in front of the TV. We split a Wait, were you in a house? No, we were oh, outside. Okay. We put, small, like, what? we put a small propane can <laughs> in front of the fire. <laughs> then I had a 20-gauge shotgun, and we backed. I backed way, way up, and everyone was behind me. We were very safe. I sighted it in, shot that can. It exploded, <laughs> blew up the TV, <laughs> blew up everything, sent a fireball into the air, made a mushroom cloud. My mom came out of the house screaming. I was apologizing. Uh, My neighbor came over. And was like, how oh, old were you? Sixteen? No. <laughs> yeah, we all got those stories, man. Yeah. And then one time I lit a. Uh, oh, okay, this is the last one of these stories, but I lit a. Uh, <laughs> That's a okay. dishwasher on fire and rode it down the road one time. No way. Okay, hold up. When you mean rode it down the road, you mean you got on top of this thing? Yeah. First of all, how did it have wheels? Yeah, it was like a rolly around dishwasher that you plugged into the sink. What? Yeah, okay, like I'm gonna have to look this sink, up. I'm gonna have to look this up. Roll over the sink and hooked it onto the faucet. And I cannot envision what this looks like. It existed, That's and it rolled weird. nicely, and it went down the road on fire. But that after so, that, so I if was you're like, riding it and it's on fire, where are the flames? Are they underneath you? Are they above you? Are you coming able? out of the door? <laughs> oh my God. Like roaring out of the door behind me. My friends were like, on "What me. was the flammable substance that went in there?" Uh, I think we just like put a bunch of paper and newspaper in there. Oh my and then god! It was plastic inside. So. Jesus. Yeah, it did cool. at any point like you feel like oh this is probably gonna melt. Well, yeah, we had to get it. I remember having to get it off in. of the road while it's on fire, right? Because it couldn't melt in the middle of the road. How was the steering mechanism? What was going on? <laughs> it was just wild, man. <laughs> no, I was just stop. rolling. No, I swear. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. We, I only did something like that when I was younger, like what, the back of a Christmas tree. Like we tied Ooh. it to a truck. Yeah, and, and rode then, on it. Yeah, and yeah, rode I've done like that. down the, you know, yep. like this crappy wannabe snow that we get here in Austin, yeah, Texas. Yeah, I've done that. And uh, yeah, we never done anything else. Actually, no one, you know those like car- Jackass I, stuff, right? Right. Did you see, I don't know if you saw inside my garage earlier, there was a cart in there, like one of those metal carts you can like pull the sides down. And okay, no, one, I didn't really see it. When I used to work at the survival school out in Bastrop, actually, I was, uh, <laughs> I got in this thing, I flipped it around, but it had a little, you know, you can pull the cart, but right, I flipped right. it backwards so you could use it as a steering thing, and I got in there and I put my phone on and I recorded myself going down this hill like with this thing and then I showed it to all the kids and they just were laughing and it just <laughs> nuts and I just remember catching so much grief from my director later right, on. He's right. like, what are you doing? You know, you're just doing that and like, I was like, oh, come on, man. But it's, it's tempting. You want to see like, uh, I always say, I want to learn by being stupid. Yeah, if, you gotta, you know? if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. You got to be tough. So, well, um, this has We're, been... Are we done? Yeah, it's been an hour, man. Oh, wow. It's been, we've had a long day. What yeah, time did you have, get up this morning? Uh, I got up around 6. Jesus, that's yeah. what time I was up. I was like, uh, I stayed up a little later. I got like 6.20 or something. Got you a give me a ride home? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'll take you home. Cool. All right. Well, Jesse Warden, thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to having you back on. Hopefully, if you're going to be here this summer, we'll chat some more about how crazy summer camps and how hot it gets here in Texas and all the fun adventures that we have in between. All right, man. Thanks so much for being on. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.